several, several centuries ago, uh, the Pope decreed that all the Jews had to convert to Catholicism or leave Italy. There was a huge outcry from the Jewish community, so the Pope offered a deal. Uh, he'd have a religious debate with the leader of the Jewish community. So if the Jews won, they could all stay in Italy. But if the Pope won, they'd have to convert or leave. The Jewish Pope met and picked an aged and wise rabbi to represent them in the debate. However, as the rabbi spoke no Italian and the Pope spoke no Yiddish, they agreed that it would be a silent debate. So the, the, uh, the Pope and, and then the, the rabbi, they're sitting opposite each other in a silent debate. So on the chosen day, the Pope and rabbi sat opposite each other. The Pope raised his hand and showed three fingers. The rabbi looked back and raised one finger. Next, the Pope waved his finger around his head. The rabbi pointed to the ground where he sat. The Pope brought out a communion wafer and a chalice of wine. So the rabbi pulled out an apple. With that, the Pope stood up and declared himself beaten and said that the rabbi was too clever. The Jews could stay in Italy. Now, later, the cardinals met with the Pope and, and asked, what, what happened? The Pope said, well, first I, I held up three fingers, representing the Trinity. He, responding, he responded by holding up a single finger to remind me that there is still only one God common to both our beliefs. Then I waved my finger around my head and showed, showed him that God was all around us. The rabbi responded by pointing to the ground, showing, us, showing that God was right there with us. I pulled out the wine and wafer to show that God absolves us all of our sins, and the rabbi pulled out an apple to remind me of the original sin. He bested me at every move. I just I could not continue. Meanwhile, the Jewish community gathered to ask the rabbi how he'd won. How had he defeated the Pope? I don't have a clue, said the rabbi. First, he told me that we had three days to get out of Italy, so I made a certain gesture with a finger. Then, then he tells me the whole country would be cleared of Jews, and I told him that we were staying right here. And then what, asked the woman. Asked the woman. Who knows, said the rabbi. He, he, took out, he took out bread and wine for lunch, so I grabbed my lunch and took out my apple. I'm, uh, I, so uh, I have to tell you, first service, I uh, well, no one laughed. But a lady after the service, she came up and said that I'm. She said you're about ninety percent uh, where you were when you first started. I'm glad you're getting better. I said, well, what, what's wrong with the other ten percent of me? <laughs> so anyway, if you only get ninety percent quality here, that's we'll just blame that on my injury still. And so we begin our our study through the book of Ephesians. Um, or we continue it, and, and we've been looking at our relationship with God, and then last week we started looking at our relationships with one another. And so last week Mark spoke on unity in the church, and there was this one idea that Mark showed from the letter that I really want to continue on with today because I think it matters so much in our relationships. See, Paul wrote saying that in order to be healthy, uh, there had to be uh, character. Uh, so individually, we need to have character. And the scripture he finished with, it, shared, uh, it, was like, it was like this. It said, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And then this is my favorite verse of that. It says this, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so a growing and, and, and healthy church, it says that each part does its work. And so we introduced this idea last week, a, a, a spiritual gifts, spiritual discovery gifts assessment. Uh, we put it on the website. It's in the bulletin. Now, 
Um, I, have to, I have to say, some people filled it out last Sunday, and I, I responded, um, I think, on Monday. Um, but if you filled it out later in the week, I have not got back to it. We went to see how I believe with the junior hires, and I'm just going to come up with excuses of why I haven't responded. But I will respond. But I did find out that someone filled it out last Sunday, and I did not get it. So if you do not hear from me by the end of this week, please contact me, text me, or call me. I'm not getting the email, okay, because we want to make sure uh, this is really important that you find out where your gifts are and that we can get you plugged into the church, okay? So I'm not ignoring you. I, I just may not have got some of them. All right, so in the context of our relationship series, I want to say it like this, and I think this is the most important line that if you remember anything, remember this. A healthy relationship begins with a healthy person. A healthy relationship begins with a healthy person. You might, you might hear people say that they hate drama. They just can't stand it. Um, and and uh, they're sick and tired of people. And they rant about different people. Maybe it's at the coffee shop or the restaurant or on social media. They, they talk about someone different every single day, uh, how bad all these other people are. And I would say, well, if you're asking the question, what's wrong with everyone else? Then stop and say, um, well, what's wrong with me? Because relationships begin with you. Now, don't get me wrong, there are bullies and there are victims, but every, in every, if every relationship is a problem, you probably can figure out what, what the problem is. So if we find ourselves in this place, then what do we do? Now, this is about self-reflection this morning. We're not looking at other people and saying, hey, what's, what's his problem and what's her problem and what's your problem? Uh, if, if anything, I'll, I just want you to simply allow this text to be a mirror and, and just say, well, maybe what's, what's my problem? If there is a problem. Um, because when we move through this text, we're, we get a solution in how we should look to ourselves um, and, and, and uh, in, in our relationships. And so as we move through, uh, we're going to see what it looks like to become a healthy person relationally, why it is beneficial, and, and then how to get to that place. So we're starting in Ephesians 4.17, and this, this should be up on the screen. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so we begin then, I will, I will be a healthy person by taking off the old and putting on the new. Okay, so we play basketball, we, we, we haven't for a while, we used to play basketball in here, but imagine... I have basketball clothes on, and we're in a hot gym, and it's, it's summertime. And, and if you've ever played pickup basketball for two or three hours in the summer in a hot gym, uh, it's gross. Like, like the sweat, you can't tell the color. Your, your shirt has a new color because it's so wet, and it's not just your sweat. It's everyone else's, too, and it's just, it's just bad. But, so I just play basketball for two or three hours, and I'm, I'm soaked from head to toe. But being the person I am, I, I really I need to go over and I need to go visit Nathan over at the at the funeral home. There's a visitation going on, and luckily my my suit is it's, it's in my office, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna go over and I don't have an undershirt and didn't think much about 
about that, so I'm just going to throw the suit on over my basketball clothes, right? I go over there, and I look good. I mean, no suit, <laughs> you know that, <laughs> I mean, obviously, but, <laughs> but <laughs> we get over there, and, and, uh, and you give me a hug, or you walk within 10 feet of me. Are you going to be able to tell? Of course, and that's what this is about today. In our relationships, with our character, uh, we are taking off the old, so I've got to get rid of those nasty, sweaty clothes, and probably a shower would be a good idea. And then we come over and put on the new, okay? So this is not about clothes. I like basketball clothes more than I do wearing a suit. But in terms of our character, Paul is going to tell us we have to get rid of the old and put on the new, or people will notice. People notice what's underneath this new. Okay, so we keep going then, and, and this is where it gets into the application. Verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So I will be a healthy person and work to be honest. Now, again, there's two parts to this, uh, being honest. Uh, look at the first part, put off falsehood. So don't lie. That's, that's kind of easy, just don't lie to people. But it doesn't stop there. The new is, is to speak truth into someone's life. So speak truthfully to your neighbor. That's how we, that's how we grow. That's how, that's how we become healthy. See, Mark shared last week that we don't just, uh, if we have a family problem and we want unity in the family, it doesn't mean you just ignore them. That's just taking off. But it means that we, we speak truthfully to them. We love them. We, we, we take action. Being a mature Christian, a healthy person, requires taking action. Um, and so we don't just lie, but we speak truth. Before Jesus... It was a popular saying by, by many people. I actually can't find the, the exact person who it was giving credit to because so many people said it. And it, was like, it went like this. It said, don't do to someone what you wouldn't want done to you. That sounds, that sounds familiar, right? Don't do to someone what you wouldn't want done to you. But Jesus changed it. Uh, perspective. He said, do to others what you want done to you. Huge difference. Don't do anything bad. But and that's, that's great, but do something good. Do good to others. Um, uh, verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. I will be a healthy person and will work to be self-controlled. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but our leadership team were studying through a book uh, called They Smell Like Sheep, and it's really good. But there was this one quote, I just want to share it, and I want you to think about it. It says this, you can measure the character of a man by the size of the things that make him angry. Think about that. What, 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 what do you, when we're looking at ourselves, what do I get angry over? What really makes, what do I snap about? And what, do I, what just gets me so, so mad? Maybe there, there are some good things. There's righteous anger. But what is it? All right, let's keep going. Verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I will be a healthy person and will work to be productive. Now, again, there's two parts to this. It says that we, we work, so we don't steal. Take that off. But it doesn't stop there. We work so we can give. Right? When, we see those, when we see others in need. We, our relationships are not always what we can get out of, but what can we give? Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I will be a healthy person and will work to be pure. This one's a little bit different. When I first looked at it, I thought this is about encouragement. But there's this, uh, there's this, uh, at the end of the scripture, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So the word for grieve means to cause sorrow, pain, or distress to a person. It's another reminder that the Holy Spirit is not an object, but a person. We, it's, it's hard because, because we say, well, you have uh, God and Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. We don't say the God and the Jesus, but we say the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But we don't have a name that we call the Holy Spirit. There might be a name, but we don't, that's, just what we, that's just what we call him. Um, and, and so that's just a good reminder that, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can't upset him. Well, we learned in this text that disunity and unholiness are the things uh, that are not from the Spirit. And so I thought, well, how, how does this apply to relationships? Because Paul is talking about our relationships with one another, and then we come to this. Well, ask yourself, what kind of people do you want to be around? What kind of people do you trust? Maybe someone doesn't care about purity, but you just want to hang out with them. They're just fun. What kind of thoughts do you have, though, because of your interactions? And again, this isn't about those other people. I'm asking you to look to yourself. What kind of person do you want others to, to think about you? When someone comes to you and, and they need advice and support, uh, would, they, would they come to you? Um, it's just this question of, do people respect you? Are you a productive, are you a healthy person that you can, you can build up the body of Christ? That you, that you can go to your next door, your neighbor, next door neighbor can come to you and not just want to hang out, but I mean, they're looking to you for, uh, for support and for answers. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I will be a healthy person and will work to be loving. Now, verse 31, if you read through that again, it's all about taking off. What, what do we need to get rid of? And then verse 32 is, what do we put back on? And I, I, I believe, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. I don't know if it's bothering you as much as it is me. Let's see if that helps. There we go. All right. Um, I think being loving is, is absolutely the hardest of all these um, because we don't know what to do. It's hard. Uh, Andy Stanley, always uh, he's a preacher and a writer. He asks, what does love require of me? And so as we move through all of our relationships on, on, uh, on being a, a parent and being a child and being a boss and coworker, um, there's another one in there, uh, but I'm just going to blame my mind and I can't remember things. So um, what does love require of me? I, I don't always know. Like we we want to help. We want to help our family. We want to help our friends. But if I help, it, does it really help or is it en- enabling them? Uh, we want to uh, we want to be a good parent, and I, and I want to protect my child. But I also need I need to know that well, eventually my child's going to be at a certain age where she can't depend on me the same way. So I need to teach her. And there's this line of well, if I if I let her walk like that close to the edge and and she falls, um, well, you know, then she I'm gonna have to pay some medical bills. But if I if I stop her and I keep her over here, and and then she's 19 and and she goes over by something dangerous. Well, who's going to stop her? So I have to teach her. So there's just this horrible balance of what is most loving. And, and the truth is I, I can't give you the answer. 
all I can say is, well, we, we look to Jesus. How does, he, how does he love people? There's this balance of grace and truth. Look through the Bible. Look through Jesus' example. How does he love a person that maybe you're dealing with someone in a similar situation? Um, I know we can't just always say th- that person in the Bible to, to this person in my life, but, but try to seek out the heart of it and, and then apply it and, and do it in, a, in the most loving way possible. Verse 3, it says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. I will be a healthy person and work to be thankful. Now this whole scripture, it it appears that it's about being pure. But I I think there's a a bigger idea here. See, our, our conversations with people... Um, or about people, about news and politics and sports and movies. Uh, they can turn into gossip and sexual joking, and they can cause anger, and you can become bitter towards the person because of the things that they say. Um, and and maybe, maybe we're saying those things, and, and the words that come out of my mouth can cause someone to be angry or to be bitter uh, or, or just to really look at me in a different way. So I have to, I have to be careful in, in the words that I use. Um, now, going back to, uh, to this text then, uh, where does that apply, well, or how does being thankful apply? Well, look at that whole list of all, uh, from verse 3 all the way to the last comma. Every one of those things is take off. And then, and then what, what's the step of what do you put on in the last three words, but, but rather thanksgiving. As we go into specific relationships, I would just ask, um, are you using your words? in a way that is productive. Many of our daily conversations can go very quickly from being healthy to unhealthy. One sentence, one word, one thought, and it goes the wrong direction. And so whenever we um, speak in, in, with gratitude, uh, when we're thankful, it's really hard to do that. I, I, I just can't imagine talking about how thankful I am for something, and then it turns into something that's, that's unhealthy. Uh, but we're going to definitely get more, we're going to get far more into the gratitude idea in just a little bit. And so now that we, we see um, what it looks like to live in healthy relationships, uh, why? why? Why does this matter? There's a few reasons, and it's all in the text. Verse 5. Uh, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with, with empty words. But because of such things, God's wrath, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I will, I will be a healthy person on account of judgment. Now, these are some, these are some very harsh words, but I think there's, there's quite a bit of context to this. I think there's a really strong warning on who you should be in relationships with. Uh, this is all about relationships. Paul is the writer, and he's very clear in his letter that we can't earn our salvation but it requires faith. I believe there's five words here that are so important in this text um, that, that we need to take with us. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. The wrong relationship leads you away from God. We all know that. Do not be partners with him, it says. You need the right kind of relationship. You need to be in a healthy enough place to pursue those relationships. And I know it's challenging because you're probably not going to pursue those relationships if you're not healthy, so you need to have those healthy relationships to, to, to be able to find the right people to be around or, or people that would help you in your, in your character and in your Christian faith. Um, but also we're going to get to that uh, a little bit more as well. Verse 8, 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention that the di- what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I will be a healthy person on account of others. And wouldn't you love to lead someone to these words, to, to goodness and righteousness and truth? Uh, your example can go a long way. And I, and I just love the terminology here. It says, you were darkness. I was darkness. All of us, we were on this side. Before we, before we came into a relationship with Jesus, darkness. But now, not you are in the light, you are light. We're told we are the light of the world. What does that mean? If someone is in the darkness over here, and someone is in the light over here, and you put them together, what wins? If you take the darkest possible room and you light a match, is there light or not? Can the darkness drown out the light? No. Light is stronger than darkness. We can be the light uh, to those around us. It says, be, ca- be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every, every opportunity because the days are evil. I want to go back to that last one because this text speaks so much to that. We live wisely because of the people around us. I mean, that's a big part of it. I want to help um, my neighbors and my friends and, and, and my family. I mean, we, we all want to. You can't do that if, if, if you don't take care of yourself. If this doesn't mean anything to you, it's not going to mean anything to anyone else. I mean, coming out of you. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So I will be a healthy person on account of myself. This now, this idea, I, I don't believe, is about eternal judgment, but about what you can do with your life, with each opportunity. And there's, a, there's another uh, takeoff put on in here, and it's this. It's, it's uh, do not get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. I think there's, there's, a, a, there's a factor in there that really matters. When someone gets drunk, um, what do they lose? Their self-control. Um, we... we when someone gets drunk and they say something uh, that's, that's really bad or hurtful, w- what's the excuse? Well, you know, I, I, I drank too much and that just came out. There's, there's, there's a filter that we all have. We might, I might be thinking something every day, but unless I get drunk, I'm, I'll never say it. But as soon as I do and it comes out, it was in my heart. Remember, out of, out of the mouth, or out, of the, out of the mouth flows the heart, something like that. It's in the Bible. Just, just look it up. Um, but... Over here, be filled with the Spirit. Not only do we keep our self-control, we're also given, given control or I don't, uh, oh, power, I guess is a better word, from the Spirit. We're filled, and, and He intercesses for us on, beha- on behalf of God, and He gives us the words, and He becomes a counselor. So not only, not only do we just stand in the middle, okay, I'll never get drunk, so, so I don't lose my self-control, but will I be filled with the Spirit? And will, will all these qualities uh, come out, which... Um, I have them written down here somewhere, actually. Uh, did I pass them? Hold on just a second. Well, you're not going anywhere, so, yeah. 
Oh, next page. We're going to get there eventually. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead just yet. But but you see the idea. It's it's about the the control in our lives of of God controlling us or of no one controlling us, and we know how how ugly and dangerous that can be. And so uh, after looking at what it means to be healthy and and why we want to be healthy, now we look at how we how we get to that point. Verse nineteen says, "Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit." I want to be a healthy person. Uh, I will be a healthy person through fellowship. Now this. It looks like it's like singing songs to Jesus, but it's not. It says to one another. So I believe these, are, these were examples in the culture of how people would build each other up. Uh, this is what they did to encourage one another and, and, and to support each other. And, and we see that it's through what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit, which I put over here. Uh, and, and these things that come out then are love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so when we have an, a healthy encounter with this kind of person, we know it. Like, you just know when these things come out, they have the spirit in them, and, and we can also have that in us as well. Um, we, we can be deceived to, to think that people love us and that people care for us and people have our best interests. But the healthier we become, the easier it is to see, is that really true? Um, maybe, maybe this list can be a good filter for that. Being a part of the church uh, or fellowship can go a long, a long way to get us to this point. The next one, it says, sing and make music from the heart, from your heart to the Lord. So I will be a healthy person through worship. Now, some people say, uh, I just don't sing. And it sounds like a bad habit, like, oh, I, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't sing. You know, it just kind of goes into that list. And, and, and I just want to say that, that music is powerful. And, and you guys, you, everyone knows it. Uh, we don't always maybe feel it at church, but uh, watch a good movie and, and soundtrack. You, those songs, they, they mean something. Um, if, I, if I say, um, I will always love you, um, but, then, but then if I sing it, how much more is this going to mean to you? I was going to do this first service, and I just couldn't do it because I know people will laugh at me, and I just get stage fright, so I'm sorry I can't sing, but, but you know, like Whitney Houston or or maybe you heard Dolly Parton sing, I Will Always Love You. You know that song. Yeah. Um, well, isn't that much more powerful than if I just say, I will always love you? Because we, music connects to our emotions and our hearts. And so when we worship, then we're doing the same thing. We're focusing on God. And it's not just our mind. We're not just reading the lyrics on the screen. But we can emotionally be connected. Uh, and it just means so much more. And it, and it can help us to grow and, and, and be healthier. Um, Verse 20, always, uh, always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I will be a healthy person through gratitude. And I told you I'd come back to this, and I'm also ending on this, because I think this is the most important idea uh, in our relationship series. Uh, the number one barrier to a good relationship, I think, is entitlement. And the opposite, or, or the way to get through that, is, is gratitude. I mean, just think about the context of your relationships at work. I worked here 25 years. I don't want to retrain. I don't want to do things any different than the way we've done it. I've been coming to church here for 50 years. This is how we did it, and this is how we're going to do it. Um, I deserve this retirement. Um, my, my wife does the dishes. That's why I married her. I'm just saying what we shouldn't say, not what we should say, guys. <laughs> um, or, or uh, I mean, just in any relationship, this idea that it belongs to me. Um, it's entitlement, but it just bothers me um, because when we look to Jesus, God in the flesh, who who really he had he had, he should have been been able to feel entitled, 
because he created and he gave us everything. But what did he do? Well, he washed feet. Um, he, he, um, he, he was homeless on purpose. I mean, he, he, had, he, he just worked. He gave his whole life. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. Um, the master, the one that we, we will bow down to eventually, but could have came to this earth and, and felt that way, but he didn't. And how can we look to him and call him our master and our Lord and then feel entitled and not have gratitude? So when we recognize that, that all we have is only possible because of God being the giver, then we don't have any entitlement because it's all from him. Well, we can simply look um, and give thanks for what we had. Uh, we can be content with what we have today. We can trust that God will provide and lead us into the future. And so as we move into our, relation, our study on relationships, I just want to set the tone uh, for each person that we look to ourselves, that we don't look around and, and, and this person has all these problems, but, but look to yourselves and simply recognize that your relationships start with you. And thanks be to God that he gave us a perfect example in Jesus. And I want to close with a scripture. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. If you know Jesus, if he's your Savior and your Master, I would just ask that you would you know, pursue this um, more, becoming a healthy person. But if you don't, if, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, and you're not even sure what that means, I'd, I'd ask that you just come and talk to me or Mark or an elder or, or the person sitting next to you who brought you here. Um, we, we have an opportunity to have both a fulfilling life um, but also an eternally fulfilling life. So we'd, I'd love to talk to you more about that. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and thank you so much uh, that you gave us examples, uh, that we don't have to go through life and, and just try to wander and, and figure out uh, our relationships, but but you let us be known that it starts with you, uh, that you showed us you showed us a perfect example of, of what it means um, to uh, to sacrifice and to love. And you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that we, we just take each day and pursue you more and more, uh, that you would continue to fill us. Uh, God, we thank you so much for Jesus, that he took our place on the cross um, because of because of his his uh, your love and, and grace. Um, we can we can have uh, a life of fulfillment now, um, but also we thank you for the gift of eternity. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.